0: Welcome everybody to Not So Famous Achievers, weekly conversations with some of the world's most amazing but not so famous achievers on what they did and how they did it and what you can learn from their journey
1: with your hosts,
0: Will Christ and Robert White. Hey, guys.
1: It's wonderful to be with you. This is Robert, and uh, we have an incredible guest today. Ty Smith is with us i was introduced to me by uh, a dear friend uh, chad burmeister they are both working in that kind of general artificial intelligence space and both of them have a unique quality i think a lot of us have some fear of ai because it's going to take over the world and do our thinking for us and all of that stuff but ty and chad share something that i think is really important that is they have a set of principles underneath their technical skills and and what they sell. uh, They're more interested in humans and their impact on uh, human race than they are in uh, parading their technology. I hope I didn't say that the wrong way, Ty. Welcome to Conversations with the Not-So-Famous Achievers. Thanks so much for having me today, and I think that was very well put. Well, I... I get that's what I get paid the big bucks for, and that's why I Will that's why Will pay, Will puts up with me. Will,
2: I, I want to introduce you to my new friend Ty Smith. Yeah, wonderful. That's wonderful. Ty, tell me a little bit now. You told me you're in Coronado, California. I am. So, is that where the business is?
3: So, the business is headquartered in La Jolla, uh, San Diego County, but La Jolla, California, so about fifteen twenty minutes north of where I live in Coronado
2: and how many employees
3: there are four full time employees we're actually actively growing our engineering team right now so uh, i think we're about to send out an offer to an additional data scientist later today actually we also have an additional four full time engineers that are offshore in india uh
2: huh so a lot of a lot of uh, remote remote uh, work
3: Yeah, everyone's still working from home for the most part. I go down to the office a couple days a week just to uh, kind of change things up a little bit. But for the most part, everyone is still working virtually.
1: And Ty, uh, for many of us, AI is a super complicated thing. And my understanding of what you're up to is helping companies uh, monitor communication that might get the company in trouble or cause the company culture to go in a direction that uh, the leadership is not happy with.
3: Is that, is something close to that? No, very good. So ComSafe AI is an AI driven communication safety analysis software that integrates with the internal communication services an organization is using. And we sell primarily to large enterprises that have greater than 3,000 employees, but our solution integrates with corporate email and chat. So if employees are using Microsoft Teams or Slack, in order to chat with one another, our solution integrates with that as well. CompSafe AI has the ability to, in near real time, meaning within 10 or 15 seconds, find and alert HR decision makers of instances of toxic communication that happen over email and chat. So we're talking about situations like sexual harassment, anything around diversity and inclusion, discrimination, bullying, even if an employee threatens self-harm, our solution will find it within a matter of seconds and let human beings know that someone needs to get involved right now.
1: Wow, what an incredible use of technology. I mean, uh, you, you basically hit all of the kind of human problems that are plaguing us right now as a society. That's incredible.
3: And it's a really, really big deal. You know, this problem is costing U.S. businesses $528 billion every year. Year in lost expenses and revenue, and that's just in the United States alone. And unfortunately, as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, this problem is growing rapidly.
2: Hi, Why is well,
3: that? because we've seen an increase in threat trends that have have sprung up on us here in the United States alone over the last year and a half. So we've seen a, nice, a massive spike in gun sales in the United States, a massive spike in the sale of ghost gun parts which means that there are individuals out there piecemealing together firearms that are totally untraceable by the United States government. And where that really scares the daylights out of me is when I consider instances like the siege on our nation's capital. We don't know how many of those people were armed. We don't know how many of them were armed with firearms that were totally untraceable by the United States government in the event they used those firearms against our federal employees. That were at our nation's capital that day. But moving on, we've seen a massive spike in cyberbullying, bullying, cyber stalking, cyber sexual harassment, homegrown terror, child abuse, domestic violence, all of the above have skyrocketed over the last year and a half as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. And we spend a tremendous amount of time talking to our current and prospective customers in order to understand hey, what's keeping the leaders of these companies up at night. And make no mistake, Organizational leadership is really concerned with the possibility of some, if not all of these risk variables, finding their way into the workplace whenever we do reopen the workplace and tell our employees to come back to the brick and mortar environment. And Ty, have you just, you know, before uh, kind of the
1: recent polarization in our society, people were already being jerks on social media, you know, the so-called keyboard warrior uh saying things that they would never say face to face at least that's my sense of it uh, have you been able to discover uh any distinction between the people that just uh say things on on uh, in email and on chats that they just wouldn't say in person and wouldn't act on have you, have you developed any opinion about that about that distinction between the people that are just blowing off steam and being Artificially brave, or whatever uh, they are being, versus a you know something that really needs action.
3: I think that it comes down to it comes down to means and intent when you're considering these particular instances that take place on social media. For example, if someone were to say on Twitter, "Hey, I'm going to find Ty Smith and," And I'm going to I'm I'm gonna kill him because I don't like what his company, CompSafe AI, is doing. Um, I think it's a threat to humanity because AI is gonna take over the world. We could look at that particular statement and go, oh my God, like I, I should really be careful of my life right now, but we have to go deeper and look at means and intent. So first and foremost, means. The person that's saying this, do we have any idea where that person is located? Because if they're in India and, and they're they're saying this over Twitter they don't really have the means to go through with, with what they're saying they're going to do unless they're going to they're gonna hop on a plane, fly all the way over to the United States. They're going to find their way into Coronado, California, and then they're going to have to figure out, hey, how do I even get close to this, this retired Navy SEAL that's living in Coronado and surrounded by all of his former SEAL teammates? How do I <laughs> get to that person and actually go through with this attack? So we have to look at means and intent, you know, all of the above. When we're considering, hey, is this an actual threat or is this person uh, simply just just venting because they're upset about something? So when it comes to the CompSafe AI solution and, and, and how it can discern between if a person is actually a threat or if they're not or, or if it's two employees just giving one another a hard time, It's because our solution is actual artificial intelligence, not just machine learning. So Comstate AI understands nuance, it understands context, it understands the difference between an employee typing, hey, it's Friday and I could kill for a beer versus I'm going to come down to the office on Friday and kill you. There's a big difference, (laughs) you know what I mean?
1: It's, uh, yeah, there's a bit of difference in that. That's for sure. Uh, Does the kind of keyboard warrior saying things that they really wouldn't say in person thing translate from social media into inter-office, inter-employee, corporate chat room kinds of environments?
3: It does. And, you know, a really good example of that is, you know, take a look at what, what we've been dealing with in this country over the last year and a half as a result of as a result of some instances that have taken place between our, our law enforcement and our monor- minority communities here in the United States. So in the wake of the, the death of George Floyd, as, you, as, as we all saw, social media just lit up, you know, it, it was on fire for months. Uh, in the wake of the death of George Floyd. And a lot of that information was just as toxic as you can imagine. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I just got off all social media. I stopped watching the news because it was just too much toxicity even for me to handle. But when you take a look at some of those messages that, that went out on social media, companies were really concerned about, certain things like, hey, some of those messages going out on social media, are, are any of our employees, <laughs> the culprits, are, are any of our employees sending those types of messages out? And if they are, are they doing so in a way that they're representing our company, you know, uh, while, while they're talking about these things on social media? And then also, companies were really concerned about, hey, are our employees sharing those views? And if they are, if are they talking about those views with other employees of the company? Are they doing so over, over devices and channels that we own like our corporate email, our, our, our chat? Because, because these services can be audited in the event a crime takes place and now you, know, you have a judge trying to figure out, well, what were those employees saying? And if they were saying it over company email, can we subpoena that company so that we get a look at that data and find out exactly what was being said? You know, so these are things that companies are absolutely concerned about. I have personally fielded plenty of calls over the last year and a half from really big companies trying to figure out, Ty, how do we manage this situation internally in our company now? Because, for example, one of our HR leaders just mentioned Black Lives Matter and As you can imagine, 50% of the employees took it this way, and the other 50% took it that way, and next thing you know, they're clashing, and it's spiraling out of control. We have no idea how to, to calm everyone down and just get everyone on the same page. So it's a really important topic, and even if we don't hear people talking about it at the corporate level, make no mistake, the conversations are being had, and it's causing organizational leadership a lot of concern right now
2: wow i difficult question can i ask you a really tough question yes sir because it's not the ai that causes my uh, eyes to go up and start thinking about it it's the monitoring And, and it wasn't 10 years ago that, that a lot of people were very um, concerned about NSA monitoring emails, texts, telephone calls for all Americans. And now, how is how is what you're doing in a business, how, how do you place it up against what the NSA was doing? Same, different? So, so what I'm hearing you say is
3: the, the idea of monitoring email is already a, a very sensitive topic uh, amongst people. And if you look back even just 10 years ago, you know, there was a really big uh, deal that was made about the monitoring that the NSA was doing. And the NSA was doing that, that type of monitoring primarily, you know, against threats to national security. And so you're, it sounds like you're asking me, is there a difference? regarding the kind of monitoring our solution is doing, and, you know, what what are the atmospherics around that? Am I getting it right? That's right. I mean, that's
2: what Snowden revealed, that the NSA was doing clandestinely. And and, 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 and I'm I'm just curious, because what I hear resonates with me about that time. Sure, yeah. And I just
3: wanted to make sure that I understood uh, the question correctly. So... Uh, There is a big difference between what we are doing and and what the NSA was doing. First and foremost, when you consider monitoring of internal communications within a company, like, we're late to the game. Like, up to 90% of the Fortune 500 is already monitoring every email their employees send, up to 90%. Uh, but they're not looking for instances of toxic communication that could cost the organization time, money, and talent. And they're using very similar algorithms uh, that CompState AI uses in order to do that, but they're primarily looking for instances around data loss. You know, how do we protect our data? Is anyone trying to steal from us? Do we have an employee that's quitting and that's now taking all of our data with them to a competitive company? Uh, They're looking for fraud. They're looking for levers that they can pull in sales and marketing in order to uh, increase their bottom line. We're simply saying that, hey, we should also be monitoring for instances that hurt human beings and cost your company time, money, and talent. Also, we coach our customers to absolutely tell your employees that you're using this solution. This doesn't have to be a secret. Simply tell them the why behind your use of this solution. You don't want the employees to look up and go, oh, wait a minute, you're using this solution. What does it do? Why are you using it? No, tell them up front, we are using this solution because we care about you. And this is the most proactive solution on the market today when it comes to identifying and predicting when one of you are in trouble and we care about you and we want to keep you out of trouble. We are not using this to spy on you. So I think that if companies are upfront with their employees regarding the use of this solution and the why behind it so that we're not leaving it to their imaginations to come up with their own reasons, I think that in itself is, is a pretty big difference. And lastly, we have to acknowledge the fact that times are changing. You know, what what happened with the NSA, that was about 10 years ago. Think about how advanced technology is just over the last 10 years, you know, between the time that that happened and right now. And now imagine how advanced technology is gonna be 10 years from today. Now we have to consider the fact that us Good men and women. We aren't the only ones that have reached into this type of technology. Unfortunately, the bad actors have reached into this type of technology as well. An example that that I use currently is is, and, and we're not getting political here, but you know we've we've withdrawn our forces from Afghanistan, and unfortunately, we left a lot of weapons and and equipment. In Afghanistan, and unfortunately, the Taliban have gotten their hand. Taliban have gotten their hands on that. I like to use night vision as a really good example. One of people ask me all the time, Ty, why are our Navy SEALs so good at their job overseas? Why were you guys so successful in a place like Iraq and Afghanistan? And I say it's simple: it's our technology and training, but more so our technology. We own the night. When we operate at night, we can see at night just like it's daytime, but our enemies could not because they did not have the night vision technology that we had. Well, now they do. And so we have to consider in the future, hey, if we're going to have to face that enemy again, we're going to have to realize the fact that they have updated technology now, and that is a problem for us. The same falls in line with what we're talking about now. Just because we are good people and we have the ability to utilize advanced technology in order to protect ourselves doesn't mean that the bad actors don't have access to that same technology and it could be used to hurt us. And so as we progress into the future of work, human beings have to wrap their mind around the fact that just like times are changing, technology is changing, bad actors are changing too, and the 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 ways that they use in order to enact, you know, what what it is that's going through their head, this this violent fantasy that's in their head. Just they gain access to technology just like we do, and the ways that they use to attack us advances just like our technology is advancing. You don't, it's we don't have to just worry about the active shooter anymore. Now we got to worry about the 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 psycho that's going to get in a three-ton box truck and mow down a crowd of people, you know, at a festival. Because again, these threat variables are evolving. So our technology has to evolve and the routes that we take in protecting people has to evolve as well. For me, it's that simple. You know, there's uh, on the on the level of
1: principles and preventing violence and, and uh, just having a better world, there's a big excuse, or not excuse, a reasonableness for doing what you do. I know of several cases where Rather, uh, let us say creative attorneys have identified companies as the deep pocket person in a lawsuit, if they're able to connect that company in any way to what went into means and intent. You know, it's uh, uh, it's an unfortunate part of, of our society, but it's a big one. So companies, I, I can see why companies would have that secondary reason beyond protecting their people, protecting the planet, doing the right thing for for human beings. Ty, I'm really curious about what led you to this place, led you to the SEALs. Uh, you know, that's that's kind of the 1% of the 1% of the 1% of the American fighting forces. So it takes kind of a special person. And so I want to know about that background. But uh, right now, uh, Paul reminds me that it's time for us to take a break. But when we come back, we want to talk about your journey. Paul, take it away. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, we're going to give you one quick thought here that uh, plays into what we've been talking about here today. Our two hosts have lived extraordinary lives and been extraordinary entrepreneurs, and Robert White, certainly one of them, he mentors extraordinary entrepreneurs and executives just like you, people who want better results from their leadership performance. He shows them how to turn those results into increased personal joy and satisfaction as well. Robert founded and led two large training industry success stories. He's been there and done that. And his experience will help you find and achieve that extraordinary success you seek in your life. So why wait? Reach out and see what Robert can do for you today. Just email him at robert at extraordinarypeople.com. Robert at extraordinarypeople.com. And start living the extraordinary life you've earned. Mm -hmm. Does your company have a clear vision? Do you have the right people in the right seats? Are you consistently getting the results you want and enjoying the journey? If not, consider EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. EOS is a set of simple concepts and practical tools used by more than 100,000 companies around the world to clarify, simplify, and achieve their vision. Schedule your free 90-minute meeting with an EOS implementer at eosworldwide.com today. That's
1: eosworldwide.com.
0: And now back to our show.
1: So, Ty, what's your story? (laughs) Tell us about growing up, about your education, your early experiences, anything you think might be valuable to our executive and entrepreneurial audience.
3: Sure. So I I grew up in East St. Louis, Illinois, right on the illinois missouri border. Um, I was the, the oldest of five. In a single parent household, my mom is a retired 27 year police officer in, yeah. in East St. Louis, so you can probably imagine where I got my fire from and why I was able to grow up in a place like East St. Louis and stay out of trouble. Um, I, I, I didn't really have a choice. Uh, but when I was 12 years old, I saw the the old Charlie Sheen movie Navy SEAL, and oh. and that that's what did it for me. That was. I was uh, I was I was hooked. I just saw these men doing the most incredible, outrageous things that I had ever imagined human beings doing. They were jumping out of airplanes in the middle of the night, wearing night vision and landing in the middle of the ocean, and they were finding bad people and getting rid of those bad people. And I just uh, it just really it really touched my heart. And I looked at my mom and said, "Mom, that's what I want to do when I grow up." My mom could have responded any way, but she looked at me and. She that it will be the hardest thing you've ever done, but if you want to do it, you can do it. And it was something that I put in my back pocket and it stayed there. And so when I graduated high school six years later, um, to be honest with you guys, I didn't have anything else. You know, my, my family has always been, you know, we've never had much. Uh, we've, we've always been wealthy on love, but we've never had a lot of money. And so when I graduated high school, all I knew was that there had to be more to life and what I was seeing and experiencing in East St. Louis. And so I went and saw the Navy recruiter. I said, give me on the first thing smoke and I'm out of here. I want to go and I want to go and build my life. And I left home with the clothes on my back and a dream in my back pocket. And that was all I had to my name. And it was the best decision I ever made in my entire life. And I spent the first four and a half years in the Navy as a military police officer and an Italian translator in Sardinia, Italy. And that was just a dream it was you can imagine this 18 year old punk kid out of east st louis showing up in sardinia italy for the first time and my mind was just blown and i immediately fell in love and i ended up staying uh, in sardinia for almost five years and on 9 11 uh 2001 i was in my my mom was sick and when she was in the hospital and I was in an airplane flying into New York City on 9-11 oh. and fortunately for me, I wasn't on either uh, of, of those three planes that, that ended up crashing, uh, one into the Pentagon and two into the towers. Um, I was on another flight that as that was happening, we were over a small town in, in England, they immediately downed us along with every other airplane that was in the sky. I got on a train, got down to the American Embassy as quickly as I could, called my command, let them know I was okay. Uh, and after being stuck in, in England for a few weeks, got home, saw my mom, she was okay, got back to my command uh, a few weeks after 9/11 to find out that the application that I had submitted for field training had been approved and that I was going to be leaving immediately. And so I uh, reported into to Budge training here in Coronado, where I live to stay in February 2002. And fortunately, successfully navigated the the SEAL training pipeline and found myself in Afghanistan as a brand new SEAL operator for the very first time, I think, early 2004, uh, and spent the next 14, 15 years uh, back and forth, you know, between the United States, Iraq, Afghanistan, and a few other places in the Middle East. So had an extraordinary career. really enjoyed it. And at the end of my career, was fortunate in that the Navy Uh, saw fit in me going out and getting an education. And so I was able to complete a bachelor's degree in organizational management at Ashford University. And then I went on to complete an MBA at University of Southern California Marshall Business School, and was going to go over to the FBI. And that was all my my plan was, I was gonna transition out of the field teams into the FBI and fast track my way to the hostage rescue team. Uh, But I ended up turning down that role uh, in the wake of the Inland Regional Center shooting in December 2015 out in San Bernardino, California, um, I ended up responding to that by standing up the predecessor to ComSafe AI, which was Vigilance Resolutions, a tech-enabled security consultancy. And so that's how I started my entrepreneurial journey six years ago as I was retiring from the field teams.
1: You know, you, uh, you just kind of skipped past this seal experience as navigating <laughs> navigating the pipeline i think for most people most of our listeners and for me and definitely for will uh you know we'd like to know the ups and downs of that for you i mean i'm sure there were moments when you thought about quitting perhaps or uh, you wondered you wondered about that dream what ha- what happened for you in that incredible experience?
3: Um, it, it was an incredible experience, and I had a whole lot of fun. Um, my mom was white, right. It was the hardest thing that that I could ever imagine doing. It, it was one of the most painful things I could ever imagine doing, but I had an amazing time. Um, I always knew that it was in me. I, I wasn't worried about quitting. I knew that I was doing something that I was born to do. It was something that I was meant to do. Um, and, and when I got to training, as you can imagine, I was angry. I was very, very angry, along with everyone else that was there. We were there for a reason. Uh, we were really, really hurt and angry that our our nation, our, our, our brothers and sisters had, had been attacked and killed. And we had a job to do. And that's what I was focusing on when I got there. So I wasn't worried about quitting. I knew that that was a stepping stone on my way to to getting overseas and and making the enemies of this nation pay for what they did to us. And so I took it as an opportunity to just learn as much as I could. Uh, And and I quickly realized, I'll I'll never forget one of the instructors said to us, hey, listen, you need to understand, this is a preparatory course. And what that means is that the reason why this course is so hard, it's so painful, it's so brutal, is because we are simply preparing you for what war is actually like. And what you will experience in war is nothing, you know, well, I'm sorry, what you will experience in training is nothing compared to what you are going to experience in war. So this is just a preparatory course. So if you think this sucks, you got another thing coming. So you need to ask yourself, are you sure you're in the right place right now? And for me, I knew that I was, there, there wasn't a question in my heart. So, Seal training was hard. It was painful. It was brutal, but I also had more fun than you could ever imagine, and I met some of the best human beings that I've ever been blessed to meet in my entire life. So it was it was quite the experience.
1: You know, you you went on to have a conventional education of both a a bachelor's and a master's. Uh, and several former SEALs have written books about their experience, what they learned. How did all of that show up in your in your entrepreneurial life? Uh, are, are you able to see how that prepared you to be a more effective, more successful in your personal and your, and your entrepreneurial
3: life? Yeah, 100%. So I think that first and foremost, being in the SEAL teams, it's, it's, you go through a lot of experiences, uh, ups and downs, you have good days and bad days, right? Um, you have. Times where you experience extreme pleasure and joy, and you have times where you experience loss at a level that is nearly unfathomable. And so I have learned that life as an entrepreneur, uh, it's up and down. Right. It's, it's that roller coaster of, oh, my God, I can't believe we closed that deal. This is awesome. We're never going to run out of money. This is incredible. I don't understand what the big deal was. People talking about this is hard. And then you have those days where you are just the polar opposite of how good <laughs> that feels. And so I think that. Life in the SEAL teams really prepared me, you know, for the, the grit that it takes to be a successful entrepreneur, the thick skin that you have to have in order to become a successful entrepreneur. Uh, but also more than anything, you know, I six tours in Iraq and Afghanistan as an operator in the SEAL teams, if, if there is anything that I took from that, that if it was the only thing that I could have taken from that experience and bring into my my life as an entrepreneur, it's this. I have learned that there will always be obstacles and you can either allow those obstacles to intimidate you and defeat you, or you can realize that there is always a way and there is always a way you can either go over those obstacles. You can go around those obstacles or if worse comes to worse, you go through those obstacles. And a career in the SEAL teams taught me personally that I can do exactly that. I can do exactly that. I can acknowledge the obstacle. I can go over it. I can go around it. And if I have to, I can take my gentleman hat off and I can go through it if I need to. to. And so that was a really valuable lesson that I took from my career in the SEAL teams. And it helps me every day on my entrepreneurial journey. And the the other thing that I would say, which is just as important in my opinion is, I think that I came out of the SEAL teams and out of the experiences of six tours in Iraq and Afghanistan and, and having buried so many of my friends over the years with an amazing amount of emotional intelligence and empathy. And I think that that goes a tremendously long way um, as a leader in the business space, because when it comes down to it, hey, we talked about it at the very beginning of this conversation life, entrepreneurship, all of the above. It's about relationships with people. You know, it, it's not about how much money can I make. It's like, no, it, the money's gonna come. How are you treating your people? How are you growing your tribe? How are you treating the people that are surrounding you? Are you growing them? are you helping to advance their lives and i think that my experiences you know over the years have really humbled me and it, and it's caused me to become uh, an empathetic person because i i i know what loss feels like and i don't want to be responsible for anyone else feeling that way so i'd rather focus on on people feeling the opposite and growing and i'm really grateful for that
1: you know i have a former wife who uh has a lot of wisdom and that nobody knows where it came from. It's not about our education. It's just there. And uh, I was often talking about awareness. Now, important a greater awareness is she she relabeled it and somehow it worked better for me and for many people. She she said it's developing a greater state of noticing. And obviously, you've noticed a lot about your journey. You know, Will has this incredible business that I mean, we were attracted to each other, I think, more on a personal level and on principles and morality and and that kind of thing. But also, I had a background of reading this book called Traction, which is what uh, Will implements in with entrepreneurs and, and uh, other business people. And it's an entrepreneur operating system. It's literally the name of the program. And Will, you must have heard a lot in the last few minutes that aligns right. with your
2: work. Yeah, well, you know, what, what what I'm discovering and what I'm writing about right now is, I don't know if you're familiar with this, tie. This is called Traction. All right, so this, this is a very powerful book, but this is the how. You know, this would be the SEAL Team Training Manual. This is the how. And we've worked with this now for 20, 23, 25 years, talking to people about how. And and we sort of let people use their own whys. You know, why would you want to go through the struggle of becoming a SEAL? Why would you want to go through the struggle of becoming, you know, a company that runs on EOS? What is it that you're going to get from it? Well, Gino... uh, and, and i i had the the good fortune uh and the honor of working with him over the last year uh, as a reader putting this together this is the why this is called the eos life and what you've been talking about is the eos life and 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 there's only five parts to it but see if you recognize this in your belief the eos life is doing what you love doing period not what somebody told you you had to, what you thought you had to, but what you love doing with people you love. That means people who share your values, uh, share your ambitions, but you're doing what you love with people that you love, and you're making a great contribution. And you probably know it because people are letting you know how what you're doing is helping the company get where you know, achieve its goals. And, and that's not just the company, that's the organization, that's all the people in it. So doing what you love with people you love, making a great contribution, being compensated appropriately. Now, you guys did not get rich being SEALs, but you were compensated, and you were compensated appropriately. And so it's not a matter of just money, it's a matter of understanding how the value that i bring is is being it, it, you know i'm i'm receiving an exchange for the value that i bring to what i get so doing what i love with people i love making a great contribution being compensated appropriately and then having plenty of time left for my passions and and you know what what's exciting to me is we intend to have a 100,000 companies in the world running on EOS using implementers by 2030. And that means that every one of those companies will, will have adopted this not only as what the owner gets or what the leadership gets, but every person in that company is going to be living the EOS life or have a plan to get there. Now, if you think... Fifty people in a company is the average for what we're working with. That's five million people. That's going to make a big dent in the universe. And and what you're talking about, I think, is already part of it, right? Yep.
3: I think so. So I I'll share with you guys one of the things that, and I was I was explaining this to an an investor, uh, one of my venture investors yesterday, actually. One of the things that's been culturally shocking for me since i transitioned from a 20 year career in the military into the the commercial sector is how what's the best way to say this it's it's at least my perception is how few people actually understand what we're talking about right now and acknowledge the importance of people human beings you know you know one of the things that that and it's a very gray question and by design. But one of the things that I ask new hires is people or money. I, I want to know your immediate response. I want to see how your face is going to change. When I say that, I, I want to see if your eyes are going to change because I want to know if your brain immediately goes to people or if it immediately goes to money because my outlook on this business thing, and I don't know very much. I'm still fairly new at it. But my outlook is that as long as you are treating your people like you said, appropriately, the money is going to come. But if you're treating people like they're simply a means to an end, sure, the money might still come. Maybe it will, but I don't know if happiness is gonna come along with it. I don't know if those relationships, those lifelong relationships that are gonna make your life feel fulfilled are gonna come along with that. So I have always believed that people come first money comes second. And that's been a culture shock that I've experienced since coming into the commercial sector and, and, and feeling like, and there's been so many situations where I've met executives or, or even chief executives at very large, very successful companies that I have, I've exited those conversations going, wow, wow. I, I, I don't get it. I don't I don't understand how that person or those people are running this ridiculously financially successful company. I, I don't understand it. I would never talk to my employees that way. I would never treat human beings that way. And that's been that's been shocking for me since leaving the military and 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 starting my entrepreneurial journey. But you know what? I'm grateful for it, because I can learn even from people that are doing it the wrong way. In my opinion, I can learn how never to interact with my own employees and people within my tribe. So that's just been something that I've experienced since
2: transitioning. Well, I I think I think that we got broken as a country uh, several times, and and we're we're coming to see those places where we were broken. Uh, you probably know a lot about how. Uh, uh, the black world was broken with the white world. Uh, my wife can tell you a lot about how the Native American world was broken with, uh, you know, with the colonizers and the colonized. You know, women will come and talk to you about how they've been broken, uh, black like me, all of these places. And, and And as well, white working Americans got broken. And what you're talking about is one part of that, because back in 2008... There was a contract that was broken w- between uh, workers and, and uh, companies, and, and really not really companies, but investors, because what happened is human beings were moved from being human beings to being assets, fungible assets that had a value. And investors told you as a company leader how they were gonna invest in assets. And if there was a less expensive asset that they could use happened to be in China or Vietnam or Korea, that's where we're going. And nobody really paid any attention to the human beings that had lived their lives, had their cultures built around their ability to provide food and shelter for their families. That got broken and nobody cared. It's a wonderful thing that we provide food stamps for people who are hungry. And that's black, white, brown, all sorts of people. But nobody said, I wonder, could we offer people training stamps to help them? And I think that's what part of what we're experiencing right now is this anger from a lot of places whose lives and and culture has been shattered. And 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 part of what I hear from you, the way I hear it, is investors are saying the only relationship I have with this business is the amount of money I can make, and if and if it doesn't make money, I'm pushing the button on my Schwab account or my TD America account, and I'm out tomorrow, which means that that is how the leadership of major companies of public companies, that's how they have to treat not only their, their, you know, their uh, machines, but the assets that happen to be able to walk around. And you know what I think is happening? I think people are waking up and saying, not my life anymore. I'm not coming back to work with somebody who treats me as an asset. 50% of people are resigning And I think that's a good thing. (laughs) It's going to change the way that businesses have to relate to these bipedal things that they've treated like assets who are really human beings. So
3: you nailed it. And and you use a really, really, really important word a couple times throughout what, what you just so eloquently said. And that word is culture. Money can't buy you culture. You know, but a really good culture can help you create an amazing organizational organization of amazing human beings that go on to do things that 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 blow our wildest dreams. Right. Culture is so very important and we're seeing how culture can be toxic and how it can destroy. You know, you brought up the Native Americans. Alcohol was injected into that culture. And so we see how that worked out for our brothers and sisters of Native American descent. Drugs and alcohol injected into African-American communities. We see how that affected the culture and where we've come today. So that's, and obviously that's where I identify because I come from, you know, the African-American community. But I'm telling you, like, yeah, growing up in East St. Louis, Illinois, there's a liquor store on every corner along with there being a drug dealer on every corner. And that became the culture in those neighborhoods, which is why I was like, hey, I want to get out of here. There's got to be more to this. And the culture got even worse because people started to believe it to the point where if you were a young African-American kid in East St. Louis and you're like, hey, I want to go to college. I want to go to Harvard. I want to become a doctor and all these other amazing things. You were surrounded by other kids that are going – what are you a sellout? What are you an uncle Tom? What are you an Oreo? What do you think you're better than us? All of these things that the culture is tricking them into thinking. So I I love the fact that you use that word so many times because it is so monumentally important. And that's one of the reasons that we created the ComSafe AI solution, because if sexual harassment is a part of your corporate culture, if racial discrimination is a part of your corporate culture, if it's even a subculture within your organization, make no mistake, it is going to surface. It is already costing you time, money, and talent if you haven't discovered it yet. So I I love the fact that you use that word. It is so incredibly important. And again, it's about relationships and building human beings.
2: That's Yes, that's what I wanted to to pick up on is Culture is relationship. It's my community that I am a part of. And when we shatter that by putting chains on people and selling them as, as slaves, or we, we send them to boarding schools and try to kill the Indian to save the man, when we, when we destroy, attempt to destroy culture, we're not doing something good for people we are destroying their identity and that's where the the drugs the alcohol the looking for meaning and all sorts what is it called looking for love in all the wrong places exactly. i mean until we relate to people and you can't you can't uh, you can't just replace culture with a business culture that business culture is built on the cultures that people have either bringing with them or are recovering and so that's why i'm excited about the future right now because as we move toward living a life in, in business and and i think business is the biggest lever that we have right now for social change and and we begin to look for what people love doing and 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 love people for who they are not for who they can be for me not for how they can they can increase my my stock value or my the return on my investment but that we are actually using that to help create good lives for people. I just see that as so exciting. That is just mind boggling. I am so glad that you're, you can see that and you're part of that tie. Thank you. Hi,
3: this
1: has been an incredible conversation and unfortunately it needs to end. Uh, in a few minutes, you might want to think about any, uh, any final thoughts you have or how people can reach you or what you're involved in that you want support. Do you want to have support for? Uh, I am a bad student of general systems theory, which says that everything, all these major institutions are too complicated for the human mind to fully hold, but that we can look for leverage points within it. I think a leverage point, frankly, one of the reasons that, that Will and I put the effort into this, this conversation is that we, we believe that these kinds of conversations are leverage points. Uh, I know you work with very large systems. I think, frankly, entrepreneurial life is a leverage point, that it's going to change faster than the large companies are, that you can be a model of what we're all talking about here. So uh I join Will in being hopeful. I'm I'm not unrealistic. I'm pretty good at describing the problems of current reality, but I'm I'm hopeful. And uh, that's in my prayers every day. So Ty, first of all, thank you. Deep gratitude for being with us on a great conversation. Uh, and uh, you get to kind of wrap things up here with how can uh, what kind of support do you need? How, uh, how do you want people to be in touch with you or to leave you alone?
3: <laughs> so thanks again for having me. Uh, I, I really, really appreciate it. I, I was humbled that that you would invite me on the show. So again, thank you so much. Uh, and, and this has been a fascinating conversation. Hey, this is actually, this conversation has been good for my soul. I, I feel blessed to be able to have this type of conversation about things that are as important as what we talked about today with, with gentlemen of, of your your stature and your level in business. So thanks again for for having me today. Um, I think that if there's anything that I want to leave everyone with, it's, it's, it's two things. First and foremost, um, I, I, I'd be remiss if, if I didn't Mention that we're just doing some amazing things at ComSafe AI and everything that we are doing, it is for the betterment of mankind. You asked me at the beginning of this, like, who are you? When it comes down to it, I'm a protector of human beings. That's who I am. That's why God put me on this planet. That's why I've always been in ComSafe allows me to keep doing that even after uh, my, my first career in the SEAL team. So feel free to check us out, check out our website, www.comsafe.com. Uh, dot AI. You can also check me out. Um, I'm really active on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me at linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash 31 forward um, slash. I'm really responsive to people on LinkedIn. And just look out for us in a, a large enterprise near you. If you're working at a large enterprise, feel free to go and talk to your HR decision makers about who we are and what we are doing. Again, we believe in building great cultures in companies, cultures that are free of toxic communication like discrimination, sexual harassment, bullying, so on and so forth. And the last thing I would leave people with is just kind of again hammering down what we talked about. You know, it's about building a positive culture in our businesses, in our societies, in our families. It's about being crutches for one another. It's about looking at another human being and immediately trying to figure out why you love that person and what you have in common with that person instead of immediately honing in on what your differences are and what you should dislike about that person because life is about relationships and building a healthy culture with one another. As soon as we can stop looking at one another as enemies and start looking at one another as brothers and sisters, again, regardless of who you are, what color you are, who you sleep with at night, who you pray to, all of the above, I think we're going to actually make the world a better place. Well, in
2: fact, we're all relatives, right, Ty? That's right. (laughs) We're all relatives.
3: We're all connected. I don't know why people don't get that yet. We are all connected.
2: That's right. Your mama is connected to my mama.
3: And you know what's (laughs) crazy? It's like people, you don't understand. Like people don't understand. Times are changing and not necessarily for the good. You know, like when I was a little kid, We're cruising around neighborhoods in East St. Louis. If I was doing something I wasn't supposed to be doing and my (laughs) mom mama caught me, like she would take it to my hide, right? Whether she knew my mom or not. (laughs) And then what would happen? She would take, because it takes a village. She would take me home, explain to my mom what I did and why she gave me a whooping. And then what would happen next? (laughs) My mom would give me a whooping, right? (laughs) That's right. It takes the village. We are all connected.
2: We, we,
1: could, uh, we could continue forever, but right now we just have to say thank you
2: and yep. goodbye. And this is not our last conversation, Ty. We will have more conversations. <laughs>
3: Bye so much.
2: Much love to you. Thank you.
0: Well, there you have it. Another great example of why I get to tune in to some conversations with some not-so-famous achievers. Right here in Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net. Streaming live from our studios here at the University of California, Irvine's Beal Applied Innovation Center.